everyone, my name is Annika Crovey. I'm an 8th grader and I'm here with my mom. Hi everybody, I'm Sudha Garimela. We live in Greenville, South Carolina and we got the idea for this whole podcast because we were having a conversation at our dinner table and we were talking about current events and history and all of that fun stuff and I brought up the point that in schools and uh, popular media yeah often in schools and in media the perspective that is given on historical events and current events and politics and all of that is often the side of the winners because they are the ones who get to paint the picture and so there are a lot of events that many of us just don't know the other side to because we have never been taught it and we have never had the access to what the other side or the losers felt like, which is where we came up with the name for this podcast. Which is history written by the losers. I suppose we're mm -hmm. representing the losers on this side, and I guess it's a good side to be on. And so for our first episode and our first topic, we thought about something that would be kind of relevant to the debate going on today in current events, and that is right now in, in the news and just generally you're hearing about buildings and monuments and places that are named after confederate generals and people wanting to rename them and that is a really important topic i believe because people are finally saying hey let's take a deeper look at our history and decide what we want to represent us yeah, right. So, you know, there are, I suppose, a lot of monuments and statues and places that are named in honor of people. And when you look at them and what they did, uh, those uh, monuments are generally honoring, you know, the, the commonly known and widely held views about these people. But we have to consider what those monuments and looking at them today would mean to the descendants of people who were actually hurt by these individuals. So I do support the movement of not having people commemorated as statues and building names who have caused harm, especially to a section of society. But, you know, this begs the bigger question is that, you know, when, when you look at people, are they all... You know, do you judge them based on the things they've done? And, you know, obviously there's another side to everybody where they may have done things that are flaws and which, you know, looking at them today with today's lens, you feel, oh, that was terrible what they did. Yeah. Uh, but does that take away from all the good things they did? Yeah. And I think that's an important argument. And that also brings up the idea that a lot of people have is, well, people are a product of their times. And people are just doing what they're taught to do, which is why and a lot of times that is the defense for all of these buildings and monuments is that they were a product of their times, but they still were, you know, ingenious war strategists and really loyal, brave fighters. And those are all the good things about them. But there is this other side that they also could have been revolutionaries and they could have been the ones to say, hey, I don't want to fight for something that is essentially like stripping another whole group of people of their identity and of their self. I don't want to stand for that. But because these thoughts and these messages were so ingrained into their brains, they fought for it and they believed in it strongly. And obviously now we know that this is 
the slavery was horrible and the way many, 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 many plantation owners and slaveholders treated their slaves was horrible and despicable. But the, that is the argument that a lot of people have and they show all of the positive parts of things without really showing the negative parts. But so what kind of things did you actually learn in school, Anika, about um, the Confederate generals? Well, I... So with Confederacy and the Civil War, depending on where you live and where you're from, it, whether you're in the North or the South or a different country and learning about American history, the way the Civil War is taught is has a different perspective just from where you live. And that's really, I think that's really cool because that shows you just how much a little bit of distance can change the perspective. So in the North, it was a very black and white picture, which was that Union was good, Confederacy was bad. And for those of you who don't know, in the Civil War, American Civil War, the Union was the North, the Confederacy was the South, and among a lot of other topics and ideas, because no war is started on one idea, there's like a hundred different things that go into the mix. But one of the main things that split them and divided them was that the North was for the most part anti-slavery and the South was for the most part pro-slavery. So in the North it's a very black and white image, whereas in the South they find ways to show that Confederate generals, just in textbooks and stuff, and obviously um, this is not for all the South because there's a lot of t different teachers and schools and communities, but in textbooks that I've encountered, they kind of portray Confederate generals in a more forgiving light. And they say, okay, but they were really great strategists, and they, after the Civil War, they became politicians who fought for poor whites. But in that fight for more rights for the working class and all of that, they actually were harming a lot of freed slaves. So I'm... Is, is that what the Lost Cause uh Yes, you know, like a lot of books they would talk about after the war, these confederate generals actually did a lot to reunite the country and bind its wounds. And then they just gloss over the fact that they were actually fighting to retain slavery. Yeah, they after the Civil War, there's a lot of stuff, um, I believe it's called eight box law and poll taxes and all these things that were basically put into effect just to directly harm freed slaves. One of the things that really brings that into the light is the grandfather clause, which in the time after the Civil War, they said if your grandfather had voted, then you can vote, which basically helped prevent newly freed slaves yeah, from, from voting. Yeah. Let's start with Robert E. Lee, because he's one of like the most well-known Confederate generals. He has a lot of statues and monuments in his honor. And the one thing I'd just like to stress before we start is that obviously the way that things are portrayed are depend on where you live, so maybe the popular view isn't really the view that you've heard, or the unpopular view is the one that you have heard, or whatever. But we are talking about the way that we've encountered things mm -hmm. in, in our lives. Right. So just in the articles and in the stuff that we've encountered while researching this, We've learned a lot about him. I didn't know a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the thing we we mostly know about Lee is that, you know, he was a brilliant um, general strategy-wise and he was a devoted Christian man and he, you know, worked very hard to bring the country back together after the Civil War. 
right? This is something that you can pick up from, you know, the popular narrative about him written or his, his biographies written by people who were sympathetic to, to him. So in a lot of narratives, Robert E. Lee is shown that he is a slaveholder, but they also say that he was devoted and he was kind on the battlefield. There's some stories about that. And I'm sure that he was a brilliant strategist and he had some of these really good war strategies. However, the other side of Lee that we learned a lot about while researching was that he was an almost vicious slave master. So a lot of arguments about Lee, about still honoring him and stuff, they used this letter from 1856 where he described slavery as a moral and political evil. And a lot of people quote that to say, okay, well, he was against slaveholding. But that is actually misquoted. And in our research, from what we found, the actual quote is, I think it, however, a greater evil to the white man than the black race. And while my feelings are strongly enlisted in behalf of the latter, my sympathies are more strong for the former, meaning the white people. The blacks are immeasurably better off here than in Africa, morally, socially, and physically. The painful discipline that they are undergoing is necessary for their instruction as a race and I hope will prepare and lead them to better things. This was like, this is the whole theory of Darwinism, that they are saving savages, which is not true at all because that is just, that's just a horrible misinterpretation of a whole race of people. But they portray them as savages and that they are these kind, benevolent people who are saving them from their crazy ways. Right. And so I think that a lot of the ways in which people justified actually owning other people was by dehumanizing those people, somehow saying that, well, this is not the same as me owning my white neighbor, because that would be horrible. But here is a black person who is, you know, an inferior race. And what I'm doing is actually helping them and not hurting them. And I think that that is a narrative that was spun as a way to make everything balance in their own minds, because truly in their hearts, I think they knew that what was going on was wrong. And I'm sure that we would find a lot of people from that time who felt that way, even in on plantations and uh, even a lot of slave owners who would have known that it was wrong but may not have spoken out and maybe that part of history is lost. I I mean, I beg to differ because, like, I mean, I'm sure there were some people who were against it, but I think that a lot of these people, a lot of slaveholders and plantation owners, they were okay with, like, they didn't question it because that was the way they were raised, that was the way they were born, that was what they were born into. So if you're born into a family that holds slaves, and they tell you, okay, slaves are property. They are not people. Treat them how you want. They are not worthy or whatever that interaction was like. If you're born into a family like that, a lot of people at these times, I don't think, questioned it. They were just like, okay. And they continued on these practices because that was the way they were raised. And obviously it was a horrible and a wrong way. And we're thankful that a lot of people questioned this and they fought back. But right. for with Lee as an example... He was a very cruel slave master. He would physically punish his slaves, but he would tell people that were beating his slaves to lay it on well, which I think is just 
horribly inhumane, even to an animal or any any living creature at all. You wouldn't say that about anything, which is just like disgusting. And in our research, we found there's a historian, Elizabeth Brown Pryor. Her portrait of Lee through his writings is that Lee ruptured the Washington and Custis tradition of respecting slave families and hired them off to plantations, and that by 1860, he had broken up every family but one on the estate, some of whom had been together since Mount Vernon days. So if you just take a minute to think about that, he purposefully decided to break up slave families. And I th- that's just horrible. He said, okay, I want to tear this mother from this child. I want to tear this father from his son. So I'm sure that uh, this entire enterprise of owning slaves was an economic activity too. And it was. So, that was why right. that was a lot of the reason why and that is like another part of it was that slavery was in, important to the Confederacy a lot more than the Union because the Union was mainly factory based at that time, industrial and the South was mainly plantations and they needed the slaves as labor, otherwise they lost everything. Right. So with General Lee, there is this um, anecdote where Lee was, he proposed an exchange of prisoners with the Union General um, Grant. Grant agreed and uh, he had one condition that the black soldiers should be exchanged the same as white soldiers. And Lee was not willing to consider them the same as white prisoners. Publicly, he argued against the enfranchisement of black Americans and he raged against the Republican efforts to enforce racial equality in the South. So clearly, these were strongly held views for General Lee. So after the war, he was very strong, blocking freedmen and freed slaves from voting, from having any rights. So he believed that slaves didn't have the intelligence to do anything, uh, again, that whole Darwinism concept. Social Darwinism. Social Darwinism, that's the term, sorry. They believed that the white race was more biologically advanced than other races, which is not correct at all. They believed it was their burden to go educate other people on their ways and their views and save other people from their less advanced ways, which was, I mean, it was a view held at the time. I think that one of the quotes that I read in an article that was a really great summary of Robert E. Lee was that it said, To describe this man as an American hero requires ignoring the immense suffering for which he was personally responsible, both on and off the battlefield. So, yeah, I think that that quote really, it was really... Sums up the man. Yeah. And with that, I think that it's also time to talk about another Confederate general, and that was John C. Calhoun. Calhoun was actually a vice president, which I actually didn't know until then. I only knew Calhoun for helping found Clemson. Basically his plantation was the plantation which Clemson University was founded on because we live in South Carolina. And I learned about it in textbooks and from my teachers and that sort of thing. And Calhoun, he is the vice president, he's the founder of Clemson University, all that. I think what was really incredible is that on the Clemson website it says, In defense of slavery, Calhoun would quote both biblical references and examples from classical Greek and Roman texts. Undeniably, Calhoun was an ardent believer in white supremacy, which is shocking that until now, 
Clemson has had that on their website, but they still found it acceptable to name their honors college after Calhoun. And while it was his plantation and all of these things, I mean, it's just, it's, right. imagine being a black student who goes to Clemson and realizes and like knows that the school that they are going to is named after somebody who believes strongly that white people were supreme. Right. But the popular opinion of Calhoun was that he was a gifted debater, an original thinker in political theory, and a person of broad learning. So his public appearance was, you know, cast iron man. That's what they called him. But uh, in reality, they thought that he was, you know, he had a lot of personal warmth and he was very affectionate by nature in his private life. So this is what was widely known about Calhoun. So if you only look at him with that lens, he was a vice president and a very learned man. I think you could justify naming uh, Honors College after him. Which is exactly why I think we started this podcast was because if you just look at it in that light, then there's so many things that are shoved under the rug. And mm -hmm. one of those is at the time, a lot of people were justifying slavery as saying it was a necessary evil, which is like, we have to have slaves because otherwise our whole economy will fall apart. But Calhoun, he went farther than that. He said that he thinks slavery is a positive good. And I just want to take a moment to let that sink in, that he wasn't trying to defend it at all. He was trying to ardently support it. And I mean, that's incredible that they, there's been an honors college named after him for this much time. And, and I think when you are living in America and you know that your ancestors have been trampled and killed and all of these disgusting, horrible acts have been committed to them because of these men, which we now name buildings and schools and monuments and statues after. And you know that these are the people who believed that you, as a black American, were inferior. These are the people who thought that you deserved to be a slave and that you were a property. I think that that, and I can't, I can't know what it's like to be black. I don't think you can know what it's like to be black unless you are black. But I think... It must be horrible to know that like, there's so many things that are honoring these people. Yes, and I think since the time that we started doing our research for this episode, Clemson University has decided that they would no longer call the Honors College after Calhoun. And they've also requested permission from the legislature to change some other... Uh, Tillman Hall. Yeah, names of halls which uh, under South Carolina law, they need a legislative action to change some of these uh, names and to take down Confederate flags. Yeah. So things are inching towards the right direction. And I feel hopeful that as we learn more and more about these little known facts and you know, sort of look at history from a more broad angle, we can all be agents of social justice. Yeah. And with Robert E. Lee too, there's been... There's a statue of Robert E. Lee in Richmond's Monument Avenue, and the governor has said that he wants this divisive symbol to go, but they need court approval. So hopefully, learning about the other side of things will allow us to help change those things and help fix those things in the future. Right, because knowledge is power, and we should all try to look at history from the side of the losers. So thank you for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed. This has been really fun for us. Hopefully we'll be back at it soon.
if you guys have any ideas for what you want us to talk about, that would be great. We would love to hear it. All of the things that we have said on this podcast have been our personal opinions. And we would love to hear if you guys have any perspectives, perspectives on these things. And we'd love to hear if you guys have any things you'd like to just debate about. But we would like to keep this whole environment positive.